0: so small that that's not going
1: to change a gloomy
2: picture for 2022. Barry, final word from you. The Fed is meeting. Um, We're going to get the decision from the FOMC in the early hours of tomorrow morning, uh, Hong Kong time. What should we be looking out for?
3: Well, that is a tough one. And I'll take a guess. I won't run away from that question, Peter. Look, I think that um, they're going to say that the fight is against inflation. And they're going to indicate uh, that there will be uh, at least three interest rate rises. I think they will move to curtail the bond buying program. And I think, and this is where I'm really out on a a long limb, I think the market's going to like it.
2: Okay, well, let's hope so. Thank you very much. That's our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood, in Washington, D.C. You also heard Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist at UBP, and Alicia Garcia-Herrero, who's Chief Economist for Asia-Pacific at Natixis. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets this morning, the uh, Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about a third of a percent. Stocks in South Korea moving in the opposite direction, up about two-thirds of a percent. Uh, looks like we're going to see um, a small rebound for the Hang Seng, or maybe a modest, uh, a bit better rebound for the Hang Seng now, about 150 points or so at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil is trading at uh, $87.10 a barrel. Gold right now is at $1,849 an ounce. Back chats coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Anna Fenton and the weather forecast for today. going to be mainly cloudy with sunny intervals. One or two rain patches in the morning and at night. Maximum temperature of about 20 degrees and then mainly cloudy in the next couple of days. Temperature right now is 18 degrees and it's 87% relative humidity.
3: It's 8.32. Here's Andy Shorosky with the half-hour news. Health authorities say they found two preliminary positive cases after an overnight lockdown at number 21 to 35 Hong Kong Street in Kwa Wan, where they tested about 190 people. No new COVID-19 cases were found during an overnight lockdown at Wai Chun House in Sham Shui Po. The lockdowns were ordered after officials detected one case of COVID-19 involving a mutant strain in each building. Health officials have evacuated more than a dozen households from residential block in Chunwan Garden after identifying possible vertical virus transmissions there. Joanne Wong reports. Two
0: residents of Glory Court living in Unit number 5 on the 12th floor and the roof have come down with COVID-19. Speaking after inspecting the building, Dr. Albert Au from the Center for Health Protection said officials suspect the coronavirus might have been transmitted via a sewer vent pipe leading up to the roof. The authorities say they're sending to quarantine those living in Unit 5 from the 4th floor upwards as well as residents of Unit 4 from the 16th floor upwards. Other residents of the building have to undergo mandatory testing.
3: The International Monetary Fund has downgraded its forecast for the global economy. It's trimmed half a point off global growth, saying the world's two biggest economies, the United States and China, won't be immune. Economist Gita Gopinath explained the reasoning behind that projection.
4: We project global growth this year at 4.4%, which is 0.5 percentage point lower than previously forecast mainly because of downgrades for the United States and China.
3: But India and Japan are forecast to buck the trend, although the IMF says Omicron will continue to be a drag on growth. It added another key challenge facing the global economy is the surge in prices, especially for energy and for food. The Pentagon says it continues to consult with NATO allies about their military needs and desires, and it's not ruling out additional U.S. troop overseas deployments. In response to the heightened tensions over Russia's military presence on the Ukrainian border, the Pentagon spokesman is John Kirby. We
4: are still in active consultation with allies and partners about... Um, about capabilities they might need and, and might desire, uh, but no decisions have been made about sending anything in terms of you know, significant air defense systems or, or, uh, or weapons. The other thing I'd say is I'm not going to rule out the possibility that there will be more such uh, direction given to additional units at home or even abroad in terms of their readiness posture.
3: Moscow has denied its planning to invade Ukraine, but it has amassed an estimated 100,000 troops near Ukraine in recent weeks and is holding military drills at multiple locations in Russia. That's led the United States and its NATO allies to rush to prepare for a possible war. That's the news from RTHK.
1: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. Uh, I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, everybody. On today's programme, we're talking about schooling and learning amid COVID-19. The Education Bureau has said that primary schools can apply to resume full-day classes if the vaccination rate for both uh, teachers and students reaches 70%. Children aged 5 to 11 can now receive the Sinovac jab or choose to take the BioNTech vaccine from February the 16th. Both primary and secondary schools have suspended face-to-face classes until after the Lunar New Year. Students are forced to stay home. Uh, as uh, extracurricular lessons are also moved uh, online owing to the social distancing measures. Meanwhile, a concern group says the situation for special education needs students has worsened during the current fifth wave of the pandemic and has urged the financial secretary, Paul Chan, to increase assistance for these children from grassroots families. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on two double three double 266. On the line now, we have uh, Dr. Karatalan Zaidi, who's a Hong Kong-based uh, clinical psychologist uh, from Mind Life Psychology Practice, and also Jackie Roberts, who's the, the founder of uh, Red Shoe Dance, uh, a dance school. Um, just before we uh, get, go to Jackie Roberts and uh, and get the story there, um, Dr. Zaidi, perhaps if you could set the scene for us. Um, um, here we are again talking about... Um, Uh, School uh, classes being closed and learning going online. What is the effect on the uh, the mental health of children of not being able to go to school? Uh,
0: Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, There is, uh, uh, you know, we are social beings, and we we need to be around people. Learning in isolation. It has an impact on um, many things, including our, um, um, you know, anxiety, depression, Mm. and that's what I'm seeing more and more of uh, in my practice. Last night I was um, um, in my sessions, I had a 10 year old and then a 16 year old and both You know, uh, so different ages, and they're both saying that it is very difficult for them to pay attention, and the feeling of isolation. um, Fifth time round, is very very tough for them. They are feeling alone, Um, and um, if we are not able to get them back in the classrooms, it could it could have a long term impact on them.
4: And what are the long term impacts? Would you say, Doctor Zodi? Uh, both emotionally and mentally. I mean, we keep focusing on mental health, but what about the emotional and social development of these children?
5: Uh,
0: you're, you're absolutely right with that. You know, with that how do how, this is a time when uh, we the children learn how to uh, manage personal feelings, understand others' feelings, feelings and needs by listening. Uh, watching and reacting and that's impossible in isolation it is you know this is the time when um, uh, during the development uh, phase of uh, uh, children they're learning communication skills problem-solving skills being part of a team being independent you know developing skills to be independent and treat the world as a safe place um, becoming confident and autonomous All of those connections that we need in our minds to be made, neural connections, require practice Um, and uh, unfortunately that's limited at the moment.
4: So what you're saying I think is that this goes to the very heart of people's ability to have the skills of forming relationships and to collaborate with other people. Would you say that's true?
0: Agreed. That's exactly what I was saying.
4: Yeah, Uh, another thing that's come to my mind lately is hearing stories that small children when asked to draw pictures of other kids now draw them like Hello Kitty with blank faces because they're used to seeing people wearing masks. I don't know if you've been here long enough to remember the Hello Kitty murder, the horrible Nathan Road killing that happened in the early 2000s. And there was some interesting psychological reports written about that. The, the people involved used the Hello Kitty doll as a kind of scapegoat excuse for why they felt no conscience, because it had no mouth. And th- this is the same thing again, isn't it, that all you see is eyes without a face. What does that do to a child's perception and understanding of how to be relational with other people?
0: Um, that's... Uh, that, that's Exactly on point, actually, because children are children who, um, you know, who are between the ages of in the first 10 years of their life. Every year, it's almost like they're they're like sponges when they're young, and every year, it's almost like five to ten years of learning in, you know, for us as adults, and they are not being given the opportunity to learn the facial expressions because you can only interact or gauge what's going on by watching the other people or watching people around you and that's very limited because all they're seeing are their parents or close relatives not uh, and not not enough outside
1: okay well uh, dr Zadie, stay with us Uh, we also have on the line uh, jackie roberts who's the uh, founder and uh, director of red shoe dance Uh, good morning to you Morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so you've had to close uh, your dance school or, or at least uh, you can't have sort of face-to-face classes amid the current round of social distancing. Can you just uh, explain to us a little bit about your situation?
0: Yes, um, yeah, So, so basically, um, you know, when we first heard of the, um, the closures, um, you know, it, it's frustrating and, it, and it's very worrying because I never thought we'd find ourselves in this situation again. We're two years on, um, and particularly now, we've, we've got over 70% of the Hong Kong population vaccinated. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, the first thing I think about is the kids. You know, how are they going to react when I tell the parents that they've got to dance online again? Um, um, you know, and, and there's still a lot of confusion out there because some dance schools don't consider themselves a fitness centre, and, and quite rightly so. Um, so they remain open. Um, and, you know, if you go to the government website, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the wording is quite misleading and ambiguous. Um, so, you know, I had to, I had to write to the, the Home Affairs Bureau and the chief executive just asking, can dance schools uh, be exempt from closure? Um, but not surprisingly, you know, my request was rejected because in the eyes of the government, we're like a gym. Um, and therefore, we have to close, um, which, I, you know, I just believe is a, it's, a, it's unjustified because we just don't operate in the same way as a gym. For a children's dance school, um, it's a completely different setup. And, you know, all the way through this pandemic, dance schools have been really quite stringent. Um, they've got really strict infection con- control protocols in place. We have very small class sizes. All the children wear masks. Um, you know, I, I just felt that this closure was completely unjustified this time.
4: So explain, if you will, where is the line here? Because Pilates, uh, I don't know what you call them, clinics, studios, seem mm-hmm. to be able to stay open, and yet you go in there and there's mm, several people doing their thing in an open space. What's the difference? Well, the, the, uh, I believe
0: that Pilates yoga studios are also closed um martial arts studios are closed it's basically i mean if you look on the government website under cat 599a of uh, closure of scheduled premises under the umbrella of fitness centers all of those facilities are closed and 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 basically it it lays it it it, it saves the word dancing under fitness centers for the improvement of physical fitness now as a dancer studio owner, and I think a lot of dance uh, teachers and and studio owners will agree with me, our purpose is not for the purpose of physical fitness as such. I mean, there is just so much more to dance, Um, you know, artistic expression, you know, they're learning technique, they're training for examinations, for auditions, and, you know, there's, there's so much more to dance, particularly for children. It's not just a workout, it's not like aerobic exercise in our view. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pilates, yoga studios are all also having to close, you know.
4: And a um, physio as well?
0: I'm not sure about physiotherapy. Um, I mean, there may be still some one-on-one um, instruction there um, with, with physiotherapists. I don't think they're affected. I'm not 100% sure about that.
1: So how many times now have you had to close during the pandemic?
0: Oh, uh, many times. The, the, the longest period was was last year, um, and we had to close for a whole month. Um, you know, and we we had to we had to do online classes. And it, it's it's you know it's, it's the problem with dance is that you know it, it, teaching dance online. Most households in Hong Kong they just don't have the space. The flooring's inappropriate. There's bad Wi-Fi. And, and quite frankly, the kids have been at their computer screens all day, and they need a break, they need to move. They need that mental and physical escape to express themselves, to, to dance, to music and movement. You know, I mean, we all know the benefits of dance, the physical and the mental benefits it offers. Um, we're basically taking this away from our children. Um, and, and what's most concerning is that their progress that they've made over the course of this academic year, since September, basically, is suddenly impeded. And, you know, inevitably, it's gonna affect their future prospects, particularly if they wanna go on and study full-time dance. You know, their, their training is severely compromised. You know, for example, we've got dance exams coming up in March and April, and many, many students rely on these dance exams um, you know they they rely on these classes for auditions for college for university entry it's a major concern and it's really stressful for these kids
3: yeah
1: you were saying you have small classes uh, all the yeah. all the students wear masks are, are you aware of any virus transmission in any dance school over the past couple of years?
0: Not at all, certainly not for children's dance school again you know our our we are so strict that, there's very little social contact. We do, there's never physical contact, um, unlike martial arts and like, you know, a, 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 a sort of a social dancing, ballroom, Latin, that kind of thing. You know, the kids are separated. We have, we have like, uh, you know, um, two-meter uh, lines drawn on the studio floor so that the kids are not close to each other. And we can manage that because of the, uh, you know, the the way dance uh, is run, Um, particularly ballet. I mean, we we teach all forms of dance and there's very little, um, you know, social interaction as such. So we can manage it, Um, yeah.
4: Do, Do you see many dance schools are in serious financial trouble over this?
0: Absolutely, we, we, you know we're we're quite a small operation in in comparison to some of the big multi gym you know um, outfits that, that are out there. Um, you know we, we are struggling. We, we're struggling from month to month, and we get very little, you know, uh, financial relief from from our landlords. You know, the subsidy scheme is welcomed, but it really needs to be proportionate. To the size and the function of our business um, and you know this round that we're being offered in it, to me it, it covers less than 10% of my monthly overheads I mean it's just simply not enough we've got about three months to survive before we permanently close Is that actually so I, I can see a lot of a lot of dance schools closing within the next couple of months and that's very very worrying.
1: So, how have the students and the parents uh, reacted to the uh, to the current closure? Oh,
0: well, you know, I mean, I just the, the parents seem to be a lot more frustrated than the children. Actually, the children, you know, they've got they they seem a lot more stoical and resilient, and that's partly because they've been in this situation before. You know, they've done their dance classes online, they've done their studies online, their education is online. Um, you know. it's either online or nothing. And of course they prefer to do something. It's their passion, dance is their passion. It's what they love to do, but they just don't want to be doing it in their bedroom, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, uh, uh, Dr Zadie, what advice would you have uh, for parents of uh, children who are forced to stay home?
0: Um, I think the most important thing is that, uh, you know, putting self-care measures Because it has been a prolonged uncertainty, people are feeling fatigued and almost burnt out. Um, And it's important that parents maintain a sense of balance so that they can keep their stress levels in check. Make each day a little easier for your family and for yourself. And and remembering that, you know, um, it is okay and not beating ourselves up if we're not functioning at our usual standards in our parenting. Um, this can, as well as, you know, maybe the work or upkeep of home or uh, the ability to be able to keep children focused on their schoolwork and on Zoom. And, you know, many, many of uh, my patients have mentioned this as a challenge and they are, they are fatigued. So it is important that they are able to take a step back and put in self-care so that they can be present for their children, maintaining, obviously, Some structure and routine, creating a supportive community with other parents. Um, All of that is uh, helpful because you can't do this in isolation. It's been too long now. In Hong Kong, we've been at it for since you know, since um, almost it's almost three years now. So it's it's a long time. Um, um, I think you know, maintaining the again their consistent bedtime routines, putting in some fun activities, doing something together,
1: learning something new um, would be helpful. I, think. I, I mean, there is uh, an emphasis on social distancing, obviously, and yes. if students uh, can't go to school, they're online learning from home. But uh, would you sort of um, recommend that you know parents try to make sure that the their kids uh, go, go out of the apartment um, after school hours and at least go outside and do some exercise or um, um, and per- perhaps see one or two friends or something like that. I mean, not mixing in large groups, obviously, but um, uh, uh, what, what, what's the way to go there?
0: Uh, I think it's important for people to maintain their own sense of uh you know what they're comfortable with in all of this. Uh, I myself have the fifteen year old at home and once he finishes his online school we we um it's it's mandatory for both of us to go out for a walk mm-hmm. um, you know we we just go out for a walk together and um what, you know and at his age he's able to um uh, you know do some online uh, games that they can play um, um, and uh, that's important for him to do because he recognizes that he was all alone and felt very lonely um, uh, in the last 18 months when he was online so it is being able to create a you know maintain safety measures as well as trying to do the best you can for your children, really, so that they are able to get out. And I think it's absolutely mandatory that people shouldn't be just taking a 10-minute walk,
1: um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just for their own sanity. Stepping outside is important. Mm. Uh, J- Jackie Roberts, you were saying uh, earlier that you've been in touch with the Home Affairs Bureau over your situation and your dance school. What, what, what kind of response have you had? Uh, uh, also, I believe you you're organizing a petition among parents. <laughs>
0: Yes, I am. Um, yeah, I just felt this time around, I had to. I had to do something. I had to say something. Um, I had to get clarity. Um, I think that. I don't know. There just has to be a separation. I believe that dance schools for children need to be separated from uh, fitness centres. For one thing, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, to be honest, I haven't received any um any quality feedback as uh, as yet um they've just sent me a very a generic email saying that under TAC 599 uh dance schools need to be closed uh under the definition of uh fitness centers and I already know that, it, it, that that's nothing new but I think what's going to be very difficult um Um, coming out of this is that, um, you know, if fitness centres are allowed to open um, on the condition when we're talking about this vaccine bubble, if fitness centres are are allowed to open on the condition that all clients and staff members have to be vaccinated, then, you know, there has to be a different policy for children's dance schools because we simply can't afford to wait for all our students to be vaccinated particularly when they've only just rolled out the vaccines for under 12. So what's gonna happen? I'm I'm guessing that in order for us to open again, there may be a requirement for at least 70% 70% of vaccination rate, similar to what's being proposed by the EDB. Mm. Um, But this, I mean, this really concerns me because, you know, I, I just don't feel our children should be the ones targeted here. I feel it should be the elderly and the the immunocompromised. But, you know, unfortunately, it seems to be the kids that just bear the brunt of these strict government policies. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's basically implying that if your child, uh, your child is not entitled to a proper education unless they are vaccinated, which, I mean, in my view, is essentially a vaccine mandate, you know, Something I thought the government was, was trying to avoid—it it just makes no sense to me. So yeah, it's 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 very it's very frustrating.
4: Do yeah. you think a vaccine mandate is the answer? Would that solve this?
0: Um, certainly not for children. No, I don't. I don't believe so. I, I, I think there are other ways to look at this. I think there's that you know this. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I feel at a loss at the moment. Um, we just simply have to go along with what the government is, is, is doing. And I feel as though we have, no, we have no say in this.
1: What is your sense of the attitude of uh, parents and, and, indeed, children regarding vaccinations?
0: Well, I haven't got that far yet. I mean, I I've, I've sent, sent out an email yesterday um, just urging parents, to um, send in their vaccination records to our students that are over 12 years old. Um, we've, we've had, um, so far, we've had about 40% of uh, our 12-year-old uh, students and above, we've had their uh, 40% of their vaccination records, um, which is simply not enough. Some parents are still um, hesitant, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I totally understand um, Um, But I think it's going to be even more difficult um, receiving vaccination records from students under the age of 12. You know, I think um, that is that's going to be very difficult.
4: So any any kind of short term contingency plan for you? You know, you're running a business that's (laughs) clearly got a time limit on it.
0: Well, I have I have a plan B in place. Um, It's not. Something I want to—I uh, want—I I don't want to go down that road yet. Um, but as I say, I have about three, mo- three months um, to survive as a, as a, as a, as a business. Um, um, but I will have to start looking at downsizing—that's um, for sure. And um, uh, let's—I'm I'm, just—I'm just hoping that. Um, I think I think the va- the vaccine bubble seems to be the only way out. Given what the uh, the EDB has um, you know recently announced with the sort of you know the seventy seventy percent vaccination rate um, for schools, I think we may have to follow that. Um, in which case, we could probably open classes for students over the age of twelve. Um, if we can get a 70% vaccination rate there. But um, I don't know what, what we would do for the for the younger kids. And, you know, we've got a very high proportion of our students that are under the age of 12. Mm-hmm. So...
1: OK, well, uh, thanks for coming uh, on to Backchat this morning and uh, explaining your story and uh, your situation. Um, um, good to talk to you. That was uh, Jackie Roberts there, uh, the founder of Red Shoe Dance. Uh, we've got to take a, a break uh, in, uh, in shortly for the news summary at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll be back at three minutes past. Uh, uh, Dr Zadie, uh, please uh, stay with us. Uh, we'll be joined uh, by other guests uh, after 9 o'clock as well. And I've got a couple of uh, two or three emails to read out. Um, A quick look at the weather. Uh, Mist patches in the morning. Uh, Sunny intervals during the day. Top temperature around uh, 20 degrees. uh, One or two rain patches at night. Um, The outlook is uh, mainly cloudy in the next couple of days. Temperatures will fall appreciably on Saturday night. uh, Cold on Sunday morning. And currently it's 18 degrees and the humidity is at 85%. (laughs)
3: To be differences. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back to Back
1: Chat with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning we're talking about uh, schooling and learning amid COVID-19 with the Education Bureau saying uh, primary schools can apply to resume full-day classes if the vaccination rate of both teachers and students reaches 70%. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, both primary and secondary schools... uh, are suspended uh, until after the new year and learning has gone uh, online. just before I introduce uh, our guests for this part of the programme, I have a couple of emails to read out. OK, this one from Andrew says, uh, why is testing mandatory but vaccines are not? One person in my 50 floor apartment building is apparently Covid positive. I have to take uh, four uh, Covid tests in uh, in in. So what is sorry, sorry, yeah. Okay. In a less than convenient location, spending an hour in a queue in a football pitch. Says I have a walking disability. Meanwhile, a large number of citizens are allowed to walk around unvaccinated and potentially spreading the virus. Let's put all unvaccinated people in Penny's Bay until they wake up and behave in a responsible way. I have both vaccines and a booster. I'm tired of being inconvenienced by the unvaccinated. That from Andrew. And this one from uh, uh, Mike, who's been uh, a regular correspondent uh, to this programme over the years. Uh, Mike says, uh, for the past 40-plus years... I've called and written into uh, Open Line, uh, which was a kind of a forerunner of Back Chat. Uh, the name might change, but my message is always from my personal experiences and/or studied knowledge. It is now the sixth day of my Omicron COVID experience. Uh, slight, uh, often on fever for the first two days, nausea, weakness, all the typical symptoms. I think I'm over it. At 72 non-vaccinated with 3 to 4 comorbidities. Uh, Listening to the experts, in inverted commas, I thought last Thursday's uh, confirmation uh, would have done it for me. Not hardly. Uh, This is only one case, I know, but if the government is correct and COVID now has an animal host, uh, cats, dogs or hamsters, uh, just look at the science. Humanity has never been able to eliminate a pathogen that freely transfers between species Species. We will all eventually contract this virus, but I don't fear an overweight or unvaccinated 72-year-old survived, and so will you. I can't say uh, the same for our economy until our leader faces uh, facts and real science. That's from Mike. Right, for this part of the program, uh, we still have with us uh, Dr. Uh, 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 Karatalan Zaidi, who's a clinical uh, psychologist from Mind Life Psychology Practice, and joining us also on the line, uh, Mervin Cheung, chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. Um, Mervyn Jung, thanks for joining yes, us. Yes, morning. So, uh, this idea that schools, primary schools, will have to have seventy percent of teachers and students vaccinated in order to be able to resume uh, full day classes—how um, easy a target do you think that will be to achieve? Uh, well, it,
5: I think it all, uh, it depends uh, quite quite a lot on the level of um, students uh, that are involved. In. For more senior students, I think there's a uh, seven percent guideline um, can, or uh, actually a requirement, can be uh, met relatively uh, easily because uh, they are they are already at a stage they can better manage themselves and then realize the importance of get, getting vaccinated in order to continue their learning and possibly activities as well on campus. But for those who, who are in primary schools, especially at the junior levels, uh, there might be some difficulty. And uh, that would uh, hint a lot uh, uh, with the parents to see if they support the vaccination drive and then uh, since they are in a position to advise and and guide the children to um, receive the the doses or not.
4: Do you see a high level of nervousness among the parents?
5: there must be a certain level of nervousness uh, about uh, receiving uh, doses for for the younger children. Uh, how high or how low, I I, I can't tell. But uh, I think uh, on on the part of the, uh, the school management, there can be more explanation of the benefits and the the, the possible effects of um, receiving vaccination. So um, I think some kind of uh, talks, uh, specialist talks by by some uh, invited guests, especially those in the medical and nursing professions, might help ease uh, the, the, this kind of anxiety on the part of the um, parents and to some extent uh, on, on the part of the students as well.
1: Um, Hong Kong hasn't done particularly well in terms of vaccination. OK, general rate is now up to over 70%, um, but it's taken time um, and it's not... Fantastic, compared with uh, other places. Um, Dr. Zadie, uh, do you feel, do, I mean, have you encountered much um, um, vaccine hesitancy among your clients and particularly amongst uh, parents? Hello, Dr. Zadie. I think we may not have Dr. Karatalan Zaidi with us uh, anymore. Are you there? OK, you know okay. okay. yes, sorry, can I can hear you now, yes. Yeah, we lost you for a moment. Um, uh, have, have, you, have you encountered much vaccine hesitancy and, and, and is, it, is it resulting in um, any sort of um, level of uh, anxiety among people who are generally worried about having to take the jabs? There are two parts to
4: this. Uh,
0: one of them is that people have, you know, the majority of the people that meet that I work with um are vaccinated um that come to the clinic however do you do you
4: require it dr zaidi for your patients
0: i don't we haven't formally said that but if people are not vaccinated we are seeing them on zoom
4: right so effectively you are (laughs) you're not allowing them into the office
0: well i think you know well i think it's for everybody's safety that it's it's the best way forward really um from from for my practice um that's what i've felt um and there are people who have had the you know need to get the, the vaccines because they wanted to travel and and there was a sense of social responsibility as well uh to be able to get the um get the humanity moving towards facing this virus because it will it will it will eventually you know it will be here for a long time and we just need to learn to live with it and one one way is to be able to be vaccinated the second part really is people who have not had to engage in this they've had a choice and you know they've waited and to see if there are any side affairs people are concerned and anxious about something that we don't know which is which is you know which is true um it does create anxiety when we when we are not uh, familiar with things change is difficult however we've now got data over the last two years um you know from various countries and various uh, places that these are relatively safe so um yeah there are there are different camps.
4: Even with the latest data that shows that the incidence of myocarditis, I think, goes up by a factor of seven for boys after the second BioNTech jab.
1: That's the inflammation of the tissues around the heart not you're talking about, Anna. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yes.
0: But that is rare, right, Not, not, and it, we haven't got data for everybody on that. Yes, what they've looked at, it does increase, and that's why it's important to be able to make sure that there are no underlying cardiac challenges before, at uh, which which is exactly what i did with my son i went and got him checked out before he was given the second vaccine so we had the means to be able to uh do this safely
1: and it's not necessarily a serious condition and uh and and patients can uh, recover from that
0: that's my understanding mm, yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, That's, yeah.
1: OK, a um, uh, comment here from uh, Kim on our Facebook, and, and perhaps uh, uh, we can uh, ask Mervyn Chung about this as well. Um, Kim says, uh, I, I think this is the third time I've written this. So why do our children have to pay the price for the elderly who've chosen not to be vaccinated? And for the EDB to now stipulate a 70% vaccination rate at school, the younger kids are not going to get back to school until after Easter. If the government is worried about the unvaccinated elderly, and immunocompromised, then get them to stay home and let the rest of us carry on with our lives. I've been told several times that it has been my generation that ad- has advised their 70 to 80-plus-year-old uh, parents not to get vaccinated. Well, I do not fall into this category. And if the above is true, those of you who have advised your parents not to get vaccinated, I hope you have since changed your mind. And if you haven't, you and your children should not be seeing your unvaccinated elderly relatives. Um, uh, uh, Mervyn Chung, that sounds a bit grim. If if that turns out to be true, as Kim says, that uh, schools uh, may not be able to open again until after Easter. Um,
5: well, it's really hard to tell to, uh, at this moment. Uh, of course, uh, being a, a medical uh, ex- expert, uh, she's in a, a far better position to speak to, to, than I do. Um, but anyway, uh, starting from the response of the chief executive at uh, a regular press briefing before the Experience Council meeting yesterday, um, there seems to be doubt if uh, schools can really be open uh, right after the, uh, the the Lunar New Year. And because <coughs> uh, of the uh, advice that uh, the, the EDB has given to uh, schools and, and uh, the, uh, the associated stakeholders, that is, uh, parents and, and ch- uh, students. Uh, the, the, the main piece of advice is, is for uh, for them to get vaccinated as soon as possible. I think uh, there are grounds to do so, because apart from the question of learning in, in schools, um, we need to have um, a more protective uh, uh, buffer. Uh, yeah, by, by getting vaccinated uh, for for fellow members of, of our families as well as the wider community. So this is something that uh, we should consider doing. But of course, uh, whether um uh, what time to vaccinate and then using what kind what of vaccine, uh, well, it depends a lot on, on the health conditions of individuals, uh, parents and students. So medical advice should be sought.
1: Yes. Um, okay. Um, what about that point about um, the elderly people being uh, unvaccinated? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, none of us fall into the elderly, elderly uh, category just yet. But um, but what do you think generally about the, the, the low vaccination take up rate among the elderly? I mean, particularly among the over 80s, it's still it's still very low. I mean, is that, you know, is is that like, causing um, the problem we, that we have now with the schools not being able to, um, you know, uh, stay open for face-to-face classes.
5: Well, it seems that uh, the question of uh, vaccine hesitance hesitancy is uh, is biggest uh, with the el- elderly groups. I think uh, this is understandable uh, given their age and their, and the great concern of the, uh, you know for for their uh, personal health c- conditions. Uh, well, it seems that uh, most police, uh their uh, their family members, that are more decisive uh, in, in 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 this issue. So I think um, a closer context would be, say, the elderly homes and also mem- uh, family members of those things in in in, uh, in in this home for the elderly. might I think my 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 proof are more more effective than. T- uh, persuading the, the elderly themselves to to receive the vaccination.
1: Mm. And do you know about teachers? Um, what do you know, sort of uh, the the level of vaccination among uh, teachers?
5: Uh, according to words from the uh, openly from the Education Bureau, and also uh, through dialogues of uh, dialogues with uh, individual school principals. It seems that uh, the the picture is is is, uh, is uh, brighter for for uh, school workers. Uh, that is both for teaching and non-teaching staff. And uh, it's been said, uh, it's been reported that uh, around 95% of those um, serving in schools have already uh, been vaccinated. Uh, so I think it's good. And of course, for those who, who have just received one dose, one dose should. Uh, try to uh, take the time and so, uh, and also to get prepared for the second dose because within eight weeks from February 24th, um, without a second vaccination, um, those working, uh, working uh, in schools and also uh, visiting schools will not be allowed it, uh, to be on campus.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, Dr Zady, are you still with us? if, uh, th- if th- you can hear me. Y- yes, 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 thanks. Uh, yeah, um, I-, I believe you uh, You have to go shortly, is that correct? Yes. OK, OK. So, can, we, can we just quickly ask you then, um, um, before you do, um, uh, this question of the elderly um, vaccination rates, I mean, uh, as, as, a, as a psychologist, uh, do, do you have any sort of explanation for that, for, for why so many older people um, haven't mm-hmm. been vaccinated yet? In Hong Kong? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because in other places like Singapore, uh, the UK, the elderly vaccination rate is very high.
4: They were done yes, first. Mm, yeah,
1: they, they,
0: they were they were the first ones because we needed to protect them mm,
1: mm. and so, keep them safe. So, so, so why yeah, why, was, why why do you think it is that here in Hong Kong, I, I mean, uh, our uh, our correspondent uh, uh, Kim was suggesting that um, that there you know people have um, sort of. Um, 50 60 age group had persuaded their elderly parents that it wasn't a good idea to get vaccinated i don't know whether that's true or not but uh, um w- w- you know w- w- why do you think it is what's the reason for the hesitancy uh,
0: i wonder whether it is the social um you know the, the 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 cultural reasons around putting things in your body that you're not familiar with and hesitancy because of that There is, there is, you know, um, in in certainly, you know, in the elderly, in the older population in the subcontinent, uh, they prefer not to put foreign substances, even taking paracetamol, or it it is it it is not something that they do willingly, or you know. So I just wonder whether there is a cultural um, hesitancy towards putting something new that you're not familiar with, and hasn't you know, according to them, may may not be safe. Um, So understanding that, I think, is important. Yet then being able to present the science and being able to show that it is safe. And it's for them to stay safe. It's it's to keep them safe and not suffer with this disease once it gets to the elderly, because it is is quite... It's painful. And we've seen the world. We've lost millions of people. So, you know, it is to keep them safe so that they can see their grandchildren and children and um, safely. So that's the important part.
1: Sure, okay, yeah, well, let's hope they get the message. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, Dr. Karatalan Zaidi there, a a clinical psychologist from Mind Life Psychology Practice. Um, Joining us now uh, on the line, we have uh, Wendy Huang, who's a community organiser with the Society for Community Organisation, SOCO for short, um, an organisation that... I'm sure most of our listeners will be familiar with. SOCO is urging the financial secretary to increase assistance for children with special education needs from poorer families. That's because they're finding life difficult during this latest round of social distancing and and having to learn from home and so on. Thank you for joining us, Wendy Huang. Good morning good morning. Could could you explain to us a a little bit more about the problems uh, faced by children with special educational needs uh, from the uh, grassroots families?
0: Okay. Because we found the low-income families with kids, uh, with SEN kids, they couldn't afford the supporting services provided by the non-government organisation. And uh, we, uh, because between uh, June to September last year, we interviewed about 311 parents of children uh, diagnosed with special education needs. And we found the yeah, most uh, um, low income families, and they just rely on school services and uh, our agency services. Very a uh, few of them can choose the services provided by the non-government organizations because uh, the um, charges are really expensive. It needs mm. about yeah, uh, two hundred to eight hundred per session, and per session for the training, uh, it's just for uh, forty-five minutes to one hour. So if the uh, each month. A kid need to join about four sessions trainings. The family should uh experience about eight hundred to uh uh to 40, per month. And um, most uh, low income families, we found, seventy uh, percent of these kinds of families just earn about uh, fifteen thousand yeah Hong Kong dollars per month, and. Um, most of them uh, live in the subdivided drives, and the rent, the rent, um, uh, always about uh, uh, five more than five thousand, yeah, each flight. So you can imagine, for this kind of family, they couldn't afford the trainings. Yeah, mm-hmm. what, just say the uh, uh, trainings for uh, provided by the non-government organization. Yeah, they they couldn't afford the training provided by the private institutions, okay?
1: Yeah, clearly that would be very difficult for them. What what sort of training are we talking about?
0: Yeah, because for the uh, special education needs kids, we have nine different categories. For example, yeah, uh, we have the ADHD kids, and for kids who have learning disorders and have... uh, uh, development delays, hearing impairment, something like that, and the different kinds of SENs, they need the specific trainings. For example, uh, uh, social skills training, and some trainings only we call the uh, language uh, therapy. Um, some yeah, other kinds they need to say the clinic psychologist, or they need to say the uh, EP yeah. And the education, yeah, psychologist, something like that. Mm. And all the professional uh trainings are really very
1: expensive. Yeah. Mm. Um Mervin Chung, um yes. what do you say? Is is this is this an area that um the, the government, the uh, financial secretary needs to pay more attention to? Yeah,
5: uh for I think uh, for the SGN uh, students, um the current period of, uh, of suspension of classes uh, is, uh, is really a problem, uh, given the uh, the nature and also the needs re, uh, regarding their learning during this, this special period. Um, and of course, uh, we need uh, the kind of uh, special services, uh, special learning services, and uh, and also counselling, as described by uh, by 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 the so- uh, the local so- uh, so- uh, leader. Um, is uh, well, I think it's really expensive and and cannot be easily uh, uh, affordable to, uh, uh, to to an average uh, low low income family. And but uh, this is now a, a, a really special time, and I think uh, schools can try to help the asen students by uh, trying to monitor uh, monitor the progress of the learning uh, uh more closely say uh with a regular phone calls to the uh, the, the students themselves uh, plus uh, their 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 parents so that uh, the, the effectiveness of the learning and also the emotional needs can be can be long more uh, uh more 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 clearly and of course at given time when schools reopen uh for half day or full uh you know full time learning uh this kind of a special classes can be arranged on campus with a specialist coming to campus uh, who can offer services and also guidance uh, for a larger number of students.
4: So, who should be the one to take charge of organizing and administering this?
5: Well, uh, the EDB itself uh, does have a special education uh, section dealing with ASEAN uh, students and and uh well this uh, has also happened with the um the regional offices of uh, of the education bureau so working together i think uh, they they can uh, organize such services uh, uh such professional services to be provided to to the um uh, students who who are in need of uh, of this kind of counseling uh uh specialist services
1: Mm-hmm. um wendy Wong um is one of the problems with online learning that obviously you need a a, a laptop or a smartphone um low income families I are mean, are they most of them well enough equipped uh, for the uh, students to learn from home in that way yes, imagine it's, okay, you know,
0: it's very difficult for the children to learn through online we We, we are now talking about the special education needs kids as et some of them ADHD, who have the learning disorder, so you can imagine, yeah, it's very difficult for them to concentrate in front of the computer. And uh, I just want to point out, uh, uh, because the, uh, pre- I, think, I think the government, in the recent years, they improved a lot to uh, improve the services for the pre uh, for, for the preschool students. I mean, in the kindergarten stage, because uh, in this uh, I think in the last uh, five years, the free schemes include the, uh, uh, rehabilitation services, the learning and the training, of uh, the, the training subsidy program, and the on-site preschool rehabilitation services. The free services, free schemes, so they, uh, improved. Uh, so, so if the children who identified with SEA in the preschool age, they can receive the uh, services, but the pro- and, and all, the, all these kinds of services, other um, other uh, training services. Okay, but the problem is when they are aged six, when they go into the primary school, all those kinds of training services are stopped. So, and because in the uh, school age, the policy uh, uh, the the services are provided by the Education Bureau, okay? Mm-hmm. And they use the, we call it the learning support grant, the free care support model to provide services. This model, I think they, they, they are, uh, they give school more fl- flexibility to uh, monitor the different kinds of services. But the problem is this model, we, we call it the integrated model. Uh, they have the limitations, Yeah. Because uh, we um, the the parents, they tell us most of the schools they provide very seldom the training services okay. compared to the kindergarten yeah, students. And uh, yeah, if they want to get this kind of services, they need to go to the community. And the problem I mentioned before, uh, it's very expensive. They couldn't afford. Okay, okay. and during the Pandemic and some of the services, uh, even they go to the NGO or go to the uh, school provided, change to the online yeah, learning. Some of them already uh, suspended. So, so uh, okay. the uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. so the yeah, the parents are very uh, are under very big pressure. Okay. okay.
1: All right all right, well thank you very much for uh, telling us about that uh, this morning. That was uh, Wendy Huang you heard from there, who's a community organizer with the Society for Community Organization. Thanks also very much to Mervin Cheung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. Um, we've uh, overrun the program slightly. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners. I've got a few more emails just come in, which will have to uh, stay till tomorrow. Um, thanks to you, Anna, and uh, thanks to our producer. Uh, Yuki, Um, just before we go to the news summary and morning brew, a quick uh, look at the weather. Um, Misty this morning, sunny intervals later, uh, top temperature around 20 degrees. Uh, The outlook says it's going to be mainly cloudy in the next couple of days. Um, uh, It's going to get cold on Saturday night and it will be cold on Sunday morning. Still rather cool during the Lunar New Year's Eve. And Lunar New Year holidays Currently 19 degrees Humidity 82%
2: The Education Bureau's Study subsidy scheme For designated professions or sectors Will subsidize students admitted To designated self-financing Sub-degree programs
3: In the 2022-23 academic year The
0: annual subsidy amount Will be up to $22,120 Hong Kong dollars Or 38520 Hong Kong dollars Depending on the program For details, please search
2: online for SSSDP and visit the designated website.
3: The News Summary with Andrew Chirovsky. Health authorities say they found two preliminary positive cases after an overnight lockdown at numbers 21 to 35 Hong Kong Street in Wan, where they tested about 190 people. No new COVID-19 cases were found during an overnight lockdown at Wai Chun House on Un Street in Sham Shui Po. About 40 people were tested there. The Pentagon says it continues to consult with NATO allies about their military needs and desires, and it's not ruling out additional U.S. troop overseas deployments in response to heightened tensions over Russia's military presence on the Ukrainian border. Moscow has denied its planning to invade Ukraine, but it has massed an estimated 100,000 troops on its border in recent weeks. And British police have launched an investigation into whether or not parties held at Prime Minister Boris Johnson's official residence and other government buildings breached COVID lockdown regulations. The head of the Metropolitan Police said she understood there was deep public concern about the matter. I'll have more on these and other stories at 10 o'clock.
0: It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on the Morning Brew. Hello.
4: Hello Cal, how are you? Not
2: too
0: bad at all. Good morning.
4: You've got hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil? Good morning.
1: He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's oh,
4: a great experience if you just want to
1: get a bit of zinc.
0: On your radio and live online, this is the Morning Brew. Good
3: morning.
1: Good morning to you, and welcome to Wednesday, Australia Day, and India Republic Day, here on The Morning Brew. At 10.40 this morning, it's our weekly classical music masterclass with composer and conductor Colin Tunchin. Well, last time we talked about rare violin concertos. Today, we're gonna go a step further and hear about some concertos, or concerti, your call, for rare instruments, including, the host party. Yep.